Get fast access to breaking news by signing up now to Black Press Media's free newsletters and stay informed with all the latest news delivered directly to your inbox. You'll have access on any device so you never have to miss out again on the information you need to know. Welcome back to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Haven, the Home Builders Association, Vancouver. It's season four, and we're following the Burden family through their real-time renovation. This is not just a weekend makeover like you might see on reality TV. We're talking real life, a real renovation. The entire main and upper floors of their East Vancouver Heritage Home are being gutted. Back to the studs to bring the home to its original 1912 glory, with modern conveniences and finishes for increased efficiency, comfort, and safety. The Burden's goal is to live in the basement where they currently are right now with their two small kids for the duration of the project, estimated to take five to six months once construction starts. For each episode this season, we are bringing in the family, builder, and designer at key points in the project to share their experiences and lessons learned to help shed light on the real renovation process. And as always, all episodes, transcripts, and resources are available at haven.ca slash measure twice cut once, including photos of the project. We kind of left on a cliffhanger in the last episode because we know when we opened everything up in your renovation, which is a Heritage Bee home, that we found out that the roof needed some uh, love. So we kind of left on that and we had some more engineering reports come up. So we're going to talk to Alex first to kind of see what are the updates, how it's going. And Skyla and Justin, are you still glad that you're renovating your home? So let's get started. Hey, Alex, let's start with you. How are you doing? How's everything going since we found out about the roof and uh, the recent engineer reports? Yeah, things are going, I mean, okay. I mean, anytime you're, you're, you're planning a schedule for the project, you can only try to anticipate so much in advance. And, you know, unfortunately, after demo, we had a few surprises, one being, yeah, the roof definitely needing to be replaced and some structural changes that needed to be done so that the engineer could sign off on the work. How are you guys feeling about all that, what Alex said? And obviously you guys are living it and it affects the budget and your timeline of when you guys get to move back into your home. Yeah, I mean, I think we all anticipated that there might be some surprises that came up, um, you know, during the demolition process once we started opening the walls. And and sure enough, uh, I don't think the, the roof was on our radar initially. And especially considering uh, how poor of condition it actually was in when when we opened it up and were able to see the the level of rot and deterioration. So, you know, part of me feels lucky that we were able to catch it and we didn't complete a full interior renovation, only to discover later that we were going to have. You know, we were at the point where there was puddles in the floor over the weekends that it was raining. You know, it it was quite advanced in in terms of its deterioration. So I'm glad we found out, but, you know, it is a significant expense that we had to undertake and it took some time to come to terms with that. And the other thing I wanted to know about this was because obviously the roof is a necessity. Did you guys have to take away anything out of your budget to make this work? Is there something that you might not be getting in the home as a result of this? You know, pretty much everything's already been 
purchase to a certain degree. So this is, you know, the ship has sailed. <laughs> so we're adding the roof like over and above our, our existing um, budget. Yeah, I think we'll maybe try and make up some ground in terms of getting creative in maybe some of our furniture selection, those kind of areas. But in terms of, you know, having yeah. to give up anything on the actual uh, renovation side, uh, we haven't done that. Did you guys have a contingency set aside from your original like build budget? They kind of anticipated, you know, because it's an older home that there might be problems. We certainly have some contingency. Um, so it's not like, I mean, it, it's it's there. It's our safety net to be used. In, and, and luckily we do have it. And, you know, we've had to dip into it a little bit. You know, it is money that we've, you know, has kind of been earmarked for different projects. So it may have an impact on on some other things we'd like to take care of uh, with the property moving forward, just in terms of timelines. So, And I think a contingency is a really good thing to be asking about in renovations, because sometimes people have their budget for X amount of dollars, but don't have anything set aside for when you open up the walls. And it's really important in a renovation in an older home is there's going to be surprises and there'll probably be some kind of additional costs that you're going to have to be incurring. So to have a separate contingency for those emergencies, so you're really not caught with your pants down is really smart. And then maybe double that too. And I'm not joking. <laughs> it's interesting to think like this probably, this obviously wouldn't be a, a, a situation that you would uh, encounter during a, a new build, right? You There wouldn't be unforeseen circumstances. So yeah, I think it does really, you know, highlight the, the importance of having contingency. And especially when you're dealing with an older home, like a heritage type home, there's the opportunities for things to, to go sideways or there. I wonder if people are encountering situations like this more because of the housing market so hot that a lot of people have to forego home inspection able to actually purchase the house or their bid get chosen. So I wonder if this is happening to people more than it used to because of just how hot the housing market is. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that when they're purchasing something older that there can be a lot of problems because I know with us, one of the big ones when people renovate, we always make sure there's a cushion for asbestos. Asbestos is big in Vancouver in older homes and it can be very costly if you don't account for it. So like you were saying before, Kara, it's great to have a cushion if you're thinking of building and you were so honest, Skyla, and thank you. Like, no, double it. Like, you guys are living this. You're realizing that it's not as easy as they make it look on TV. And, and it's better to have that if you're, if you're serious about doing a renovation. And if you want to be somewhere for a long time. Like, we aren't flipping this house. We are, this is our home. And we wanted to make sure it was, it was done the right way, you know, one time. We don't want to, to be repeating this in five to six years because, you know, we didn't do the roof or we, we cut corners to, to save cost. That's our rationale, too, behind some of our decision making. I think the unforeseen on this project probably would have been, you know, a lot more if there wasn't a major reno done in the late 80s, 90s, you know, which is the normal of the time, right? Where usually an older house, the last reno might have been in the 60s or 70s. And, you know, people are still holding on to their, you know, oil furnaces. So, I mean, I think we would have approached the project a little bit differently if, you know, that was the case. But yeah, you know, if this was, you know, a real, you know, where the last reno was a lot long ago, then those cost increases would have been a lot more for sure. So besides the roof, where are we with the budget right now? Is there anything else that we're going to be expecting uh, down the road so far, Alex? Or so far, you know, we're rolling with the budget now. We've added the new roof on there and that's where we're at. 
I mean, once you open things up, I think we can only focus on so many things at a time. So I think we, we've obviously addressed and discussed, you know, with Skyline just in the framing and the roofing. But now, you know, we're kind of at another important impact, which is, uh, which is plumbing. So a lot of the water lines are old copper which, you know, we've, you know, we wanted to discuss with, you know, Skyland Justin to upgrade that to PEX, just because while everything, you know, is open. And in terms of the budget, you know, for that, it's always kind of hard to, you know, anticipate, you know, what needs to be replaced, what doesn't and, and how much. So, you know, we, we include in our budget to replace where the renovation work is happening, all the water lines in the bathroom, but a lot of those water lines are running in other parts of the house, which you can't always anticipate. We'll discuss with Skyland just in those options to replace those. And also at the same time, replacing the existing baseboard heaters to, you know, to new ones. And that's just something that, you know, probably should be done given that everything is open and is a lot more cost effective to do now as opposed to, you know, later on when everything is finished and people are living in the home. So I think aside from the roof, the framing, electrically, there's really, really no issues. There just might be an opportunity to add some things that sometimes can always be discussed in the planning stages. So normally at that time, you know, if there's additional thermostats or if there's additional plugs and all that kind of stuff, you know, it's usually a good opportunity to add. But, you know, electrically, I think you know, there's really no surprises. We did have a walkthrough during electrical with Skyland Justin and the electrician to kind of pinpoint those areas that we maybe wanted to add things or upgrade the thermostats. We definitely made a couple little tweaks um, just to make things more functional while we can and the walls are open. So we added a couple closet lights, added a couple plugs for like your stick vacuum. What else did we add, guys? We added a motion light. We added wiring for smart thermostats. Data box pulled some data wires to essentially all the bedrooms and, and the location of the media on the main floor. So you guys have hardwired internet as, yeah, as opposed to Wi-Fi. So those things are super easy to add when everything is opened up. And sometimes it's hard to discuss that on paper beforehand and gives you guys some time to think about what your actual needs are for the space. I remember, Justin, we had that conversation when I did the walkthrough with Lucas. And, you know, I was like, you know, do you have any data requirements? And you looked at me like, well, why are you asking that type thing? So it just gives you the opportunity to, you know, start thinking about it and, you know, start adding it in now when it's, you know, fairly easy. But, you know, in the, in the budgeting stage and planning stage, in terms of running all the electrical wires, we knew it was going to be a full gut. We didn't really anticipate any, you know, en engineering work happening. So, I mean, there was, you know, some extra say like electrical labor work to reroute all the wiring around the beams and working within that. But, you know, we were able to include that in the budget so they wouldn't have any cost extras on, on that end. We originally planned for two dining room lights before we could open up that wall. But then once we found out during the demo stage that we could open up the wall in the dining room, we decided to go down to one dining room chandelier. So that was just reflected in that electrical walkthrough to make sure that those changes did get noted. And I think those are super important because, I mean, I, I've learned, you know, you get to the end of the project, the client moves in and they start thinking about, oh, like, oh, maybe we wanted a plug here or, you know, maybe we wanted data here. So I think we kind of learned the hard way. And, you know, now we kind of have that walkthrough with everyone. It gives you guys the opportunity to bring things up because, I mean, we're not mind readers. So it kind of eliminates that. 
Another on-site decision we made was we changed the side that the headboard in the principal bedroom would be on. And this was important to know because we had switches and made sure we had plugs for your nightstands. But as you're in the space, we realized it would have felt like you were walking into the bed too much. So we flipped that and made sure that the electrical accommodated that change. And we had made during the framing a little bit of a change to the closet and made it slightly smaller to give the room a more open look. So just going through those kind of things during those walkthroughs to make sure that what we planned on paper is really what we love in real life. When I was there with the Alex's, they had framed out that closet in the master bedroom to what you had on the plans. And it was, it was massive. It's like, this isn't, you know, this isn't going to work. So you know, obviously you're a phone call away, right? To, to make those adjustments, but it goes back to the, you know, sometimes things don't work as, you know, on the plan and you just have to adjust on the fly. And that closet change was actually to a benefit once we had to put the ridge beam in that principal bedroom. So we moved the closet so it was in line with the ridge beam. So it accomplished success from an engineering standpoint and open up the bedroom without sacrificing a lot of closet space. So it's kind of a win-win all around. Yeah. And I was just going to ask about the ridge beam and why is it there? Just so we can recap everybody if they didn't uh, listen to the last episode. But, you know, it's something that's important, obviously. And and how do you handle that with um, discussing with the clients like, yeah, this is going to affect maybe your closet or or other parts of the spatial design. When we opened up the walls, we found that the roof was being held up by, I think, a one by four. So that's a very small piece of lumber that's holding up the whole peak of the roof. So that had to obviously be beefed up because it's supporting the load. And when you have an engineered beam, it needs to have somewhere to terminate into or carry that load down. So moving a structural wall underneath that ridge beam made the actual span of the beam smaller, right? More of the concern with the ridge beam too was if we had to make it deeper in essence of reducing the ceiling height in that area as well. So, but you know, those are details we usually just go back and forth with the engineer to, you know, to try to make a house also structurally sound, but not, you know, give away too much of the design intent. So we were able to, you know, I think fasten three two by fours onto that existing ridge beam to keep that ceiling height as opposed to, you know, getting something that's much deeper, which in essence affects the ceiling height and affects your closet sizes as well and bedroom sizes. So we have very low ceiling heights on that top floor. So a big deep beam, you would have been bumping your head on it because that's our tallest point, but it's not very tall. Has the ridge beam affected the bathroom at all or is it still as planned? I think the last episode we discussed, we had to have an engineering beam to make our kitchen a little bit bigger. And this was potentially going to have an impact with our drain for our tub. And so there was one day I was going back and forth with level one and we were trying to see if we could switch the drain to a left-hand drain and just switch the wall that the plumbing was on. But because of COVID and the lead times right now, it was going to be like 12, 14 weeks to get a left-hand drain tub. And we had a right-hand drain tub on site. So we eventually were able to make it work with the existing drain, but there was a little bit, maybe an hour during one day where we were like, oh no, this is going to delay the project. Like, what do we do? Because it would have been a really long lead time. I don't think we would have delayed the project because of a tub. We were sourcing alternate options. We don't go to people with problems. We come with solutions, right, Kara? But it would have meant, you know, resulting in, you know, I think a tub that you originally didn't want and 
there would have to have been some sacrifices with that because, you know, we need to have our tub for the rough and inspection. So it's not something that's easy to add in down the line, like changing a faucet or, or something that's installed near the end of a project. So it would have made for some interesting conversation of trying to change to a tub that one is in stock and two might not be what you what you want. We uh, moved past the clawfoot tub situation. So I'm glad there wasn't another tub uh, <laughs> issue. And we wanted a tub with armrest, which also posed yes. more of a challenge because there's not that many nice tubs with armrests and we just have an alcove tub. So like, that where was... do you put your arms if you don't have an armrest? <laughs> like, you just like float? I don't know. Yeah. No breeding in the tub with no armrest. So yeah, we were able to deal with that potential, I think, disaster. So much to think about, of course, when you guys are building a home and some things work for some people and some don't. And just the fact too, like Alex, like, you know, that tub, you can't wait for it. You need it for plumbing rough in. So it's just things that going back to what we've said throughout the series is making sure you have the right contractor that works for you and is going to kind of think of these things. So you're not waiting now installing the project while you're waiting for that tub so you can do the plumbing rough-ins. So that's great information for our listeners. Let's move downstairs to the kitchen and let's talk about gas in the house. Have you guys accounted for gas, like gas stove, gas fireplace? Yeah, there's an existing gas fireplace and you know we, we moved the gas line to accommodate the new gas range and the new kitchen design. So the house is existing gas, so some minor work in, involved with gas on this project. We were able to keep our gas fireplace and fixtures because our permits were issued before the beginning of 2022, where the city changed their requirements. But a gas fireplace is always nice. It gives off a lot of heat. There's always the great gas stove debate of whether people like gas versus induction. But because we had gas existing, we went with gas range. And I'm sure Skyla and Justin can elaborate. We really like gas. So that was our preference. Yeah, it was great. We didn't have to add it. And is your guys' furnace gas? Yeah, the boiler, the combination boiler, hot water heater. Yeah, is run by is run by gas. And was that updated? Yes, we upgraded to a newer, more efficient model. Yeah, I think that's been a, one of the big um, highlights so far, um, that upgrade from the old 1980s boiler and hot water tank to something new and efficient, you know, an on-demand unit. We can already tell just, you know, the temperature in the basement is much more consistent. Um, it's a lot less noisy and I'm anticipating seeing some benefit on the, um, on the gas bill as well. So nice. Good to see you guys are already benefiting from those you know, from those changes. And I love a gas fireplace. It just makes it feel so cozy, especially at Christmas time. It's just, it's nice. Moving on to mechanics. What did you guys do for mechanical upgrades? And did you have to do anything to do with the step code in this department? Yeah, the main kind of energy efficiencies we had to do on this project, aside from spray foaming the roof, there were other areas such as, you know, energy efficient appliances, upgrading their service to 200 amp service as well. So those were some of the things that we were able to, you know, to do on this project to kind of meet those requirements. Let's jump into design schedule. Are we on track, Kara, so far? I know I've heard that a lot of things are taking a lot longer because, of course, shipping issues and everything like that and ordering issues. Are you on track for design? 
we kind of do all the design ahead of time before construction even starts. So Skyla mentioned like everything was ordered already. So the lovely thing about working with level one is they order everything as soon as that contract is signed, which has helped a lot with lead times during COVID. We've had a few little things come up during the renovation that we've had to reselect or kind of rethink because of on-site conditions. One of them being the fireplace. We originally wanted to expose the fireplace brick. It just wasn't possible with the conditions. So we had to kind of pivot and redesign that space. So it still fit with our concept. And then we're going to go with kind of a cast concrete mantle instead of having the exposed brick. And then another area we had to redesign was the wall space between the dining room and living room. Originally, we wanted to have pocket doors with a transom window. There's a very large beam there that had to be kind of fixed up because it actually was bowing. And by the time we had the framing and everything for the transom window, it would have only allowed about four inches of glass. And so that aesthetically wouldn't be pleasing. So we kind of had to pivot there. We actually got rid of the pocket doors and are just creating kind of a, almost like a transom with side lights of glass to keep the area open, but still have some separation. And then was there any other design decisions? I think those are the big ones. So not not too much stuff, but obviously ones that would kind of visually impact mostly the dining area. So we still wanted to make sure that that space felt really nice. And you were saying for a dining room lighting, that's one that you've got a chandelier in or no, was it a different room? No. Yeah. So we have a chandelier and basically we had two before and now we've went to one. So we actually just switched what was the kitchen table light to the dining room and one of the dining lights into the kitchen. It was a simple switch and didn't really require any extra ordering in that sense. So we just kind of moved things around there. And Justin, I know you were talking about a little bit before, but uh, that you might have to re-decide on your furniture choices after looking at the budget for the roof. Are you guys taking any of your existing furniture in? Do you think you'll just use a lot of your existing stuff currently? Or Skylight can probably speak better to the furniture, but we, we have kept uh, just a handful of small pieces that we had. We liquidated a lot of our furniture when we when we moved. I just think we're we're just spending more time um, looking around, being fairly budget conscious when we're selecting some of our furniture choices moving forward now. We have ordered the couch because those have several month lead time. We picked a local supplier that had a better lead time, luckily, versus some other ones have months, like over six month lead time. And we wanted to make sure that you guys had a couch when you moved in. So you had somewhere to at least sit. And then we've just been taking our time, as Justin said, kind of working through everything else to make sure we're finding things that we like, but are still budget friendly. The reason we got rid of most of our, our stuff before is because it, you know, it was stuff we had when we were younger, like living in our, our condo before kids and, you know, Ikea and not a lot of you know, more disposable furniture. So we kind of want to move away from that and and hopefully pick a few pieces that are going to last a while. And furniture is always a little more fluid. We can always add pieces or upgrade on things. Whereas, you know, spending some of that additional budget or some of that uh, contingency on the actual renovation, some of these issues that came up when you know, the walls are open and we have an opportunity to deal with it, you know, figured that was a better use of the funds. And I think that's a really good point that a lot of people in Vancouver, when they renovate, their funds get pretty sucked dry during the renovation and there's not as much left over for like the furniture and decor. But 
it is something that's easy to kind of just build on slowly as you have the funds available and just make sure you kind of have those basic pieces. As much as everyone wants to move into a house with all their furniture, it's not always feasible with people's bank accounts, basically. Yeah, you can build the house, but maybe you won't be able to furnish it. What you guys are doing is great. And it's your forever home too. And and like you said before, Skyla, it's like, Maybe you start off some pieces now. Down the road, you guys can add more in. It's not like you need it all tomorrow. Mm-hmm. As long as we're not like sitting on uh, Tommy Bahama lawn chairs in our beautiful new home, which we've done before for months <laughs> in other phases of our life. Like there's a balance to be had. <laughs> and well, Carrie's going to help us with that. Are there any upgrades to the walls to improve energy efficiency? Not on this project, no. Normally that kind of conversation comes in during the permit submission stage where in order for us not to upgrade our exterior walls to two by six, which they're existing as two by four, you know, we have to come up with those, you know, energy efficiencies or alternative solutions to make the house more energy efficient without having to fur out the walls, which I think in this scenario would have been a bit of a deal breaker because it would have made everything on that main floor and upstairs two inches smaller all around. So in this scenario, you know, during while we were submitting the permit, we were able to, you know, propose alternate solutions that the city accepted so that we didn't have to for our exterior walls. And if that was the case, who knows, project scope might have completely changed if we had to do that. And two inches might not sound like a lot, but two inches when you're dealing with like our kitchen's not huge. So two inches losing on your kitchen on all your exterior walls can mean like you have the ability to have like a magic corner insert in the corners versus not having one or having a drawer that's usable versus one that is not. And now you have like a little nine inch cabinet. So it actually has a really big impact on areas that you have millwork. And then especially in our bathroom, like the two inches mean you have space for a standard five inch tub, but if you fur it out, you might lose that standard depth. So It actually makes a huge impact when you're thinking in terms of the interior design and the functionality of that space. So we like to not fur out walls if we don't have to. And and the city does a great job of, you know, being understanding of that and knowing that it is a renovation and, you know, you can't always just, you know, tear it down and build new, right? So, you know, they're very flexible with, with that. I want to know what a magic corner is, but I'm going to save that for when we talk about millwork in the next episode. So we're going to tease you right there. We're going to talk about millwork, final approvals, inspections, drywall, priming, paint, all the favorite parts of building because now it looks like it's going to start being a house. Before we go, I just wanted to discuss a few things that we talked about today. Of course, making sure again that you have the proper contractor in place, an interior designer to help you make the decisions where your electrical plugs need to go. So later on when you're living there, you're not like, oh, why can't I plug my bedroom light right beside my bed? Also talking about plumbing rough-ins, of course, we talked about that tub, no clawfoot tub, but we wanted to make sure there was a tub with armrests and we didn't want to be waiting on the tub for a long time because it needed to be included in the plumbing rough-in portion of the build. Looking ahead for Skyla and Justin, do you expect any more inconveniences as you're living in your basement? Do you think it's just going to kind of just continue to be the same at the moment? Well, I think the worst is behind us. When the mechanical, when the furnace was updated, um... That uh, displaced us for a couple of days, you know, which was something we could deal with. But that was very much kind of in our small living space. 
Additionally, the electrical panel upgrade um, is downstairs in our living space. So the electrician was spending quite a few hours working down there. And now that that's complete, I, I really think that, um, you know, most of the most of the major inconvenience is behind us. And uh, now we're just looking forward to, you know, seeing the walls go up and actually being able to, you know, visualize what what the house is going to look like when when the updates are complete. The fun part's coming where we get to see all all the planning and in real time now. Sometimes when you're looking at bare walls for eight weeks, it's kind of hard to see the progress. I mean, obviously, slowly, slowly progress is being made behind those walls. But now that you can, yeah, there's that tangible element of seeing the floor go in and drywall go, you know, be boarded. You can kind of really start to see it come together yeah, really fast. A lot of our additional items or these additional costs are going into things that we'll, we won't see at the end of the day. They're all behind the walls. So really looking forward to seeing some of the, you know, the aesthetic elements, the design elements, you know, start to take shape and and, and really get a feel for how much this space has uh, transformed from the house we knew it as before. The exciting part, the sexy part. And Alex, what is the estimated time frame for the close-up of the walls and then inspections? I think around four weeks is kind of our anticipated you know, timeline. We do need to have that roof on before we get to that drywall part. So a bit of it is going to be weather permitting, but you know, if things go well, hopefully around four weeks till we can close things up. Perfect. And Kara, last but not least, are there any major decisions that will be required by Justin and Skyla next? What's coming up? The biggest one will be our millwork finishes. So we have some kind of colors going on here. And so that's an important one to see in person because a little paint chip does not look the same as seeing it on like a full door sprayed by the mill worker. So that will be probably one of their biggest decisions uh, coming up now. Exciting. I love that part because like you said, to see the colors come to life, either they might be what you want or might not, but it all becomes very real. So thank you guys so much again. That was another episode of Haven's podcast, Measure Twice, Cut Once, Season 4. Thank you to Justin and Skyla for being the best homeowners and letting us dive right into your life. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Measure Twice, Cut Once is grateful to our podcast partners, Fortis BC and Ethical Flooring. Their support helps us share expert knowledge and resources with families looking to build, design, and renovate the home right for you. Ethical Flooring is located in North Vancouver and specializes in the supply and installation of brand name flooring for residential renovations and custom-built homes. And the BC Energy Step Code Program is a provincial standard moving the entire home building industry forward to build homes to better energy efficiency standards, which means better health, comfort, and safety. Be sure to check out betterhomesbc.ca to talk to your renovator or builder for the latest energy rebates and resources. If you've enjoyed this episode or have a friend or family member looking to renovate, be sure to share this podcast simply by following and sharing the podcast. You'll be entered in to win a Napoleon Prestige P500 stainless steel natural gas barbecue valued at $1,549 compliments of Fortis BC season four's real-time reno has real resources we can all learn from see you next time canadianevergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry 
Content you can trust from Black Press Media.